You're listening to Hands-On Security, Hunter's Hands-On Security Podcast. Cybersecurity, up close and practical. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hunter's April 5th ever edition of Hands-On Security Podcast. My name is Dvir Sayag. I am an IDF 8200 unit veteran and the host and producer of this series. Each month, I will be hosting an expert from the cybersecurity community to share insights on recent discoveries and provide you with key tips for your security practice. For today's opening episode, we will focus on the recently discovered in the wild exchange server vulnerabilities. We will go through the discovery and how to deal with it and address key practices for managing security assets, whether in the cloud or on-premises. I am here today with Ophir Archen. Welcome, Ophir. How are you? Thank you, Dvir. Very good. Are you excited for the first Hunters podcast? Wow, super excited. Amazing. So please introduce yourself to the audience. All right, so uh, my name is Ophir Harchen. I'm a VP of Operations and Intelligence in Hunters. Um, before Hunters, I was at a company called uh, Signia, a cybersecurity uh, easier response and uh, consultancy firm, doing uh, mostly for a bit over four years incident response investigations and also leading some engagements with uh, cybersecurity posture and resilience, working with CISOs, security teams, IT, and so on. So we are here today to talk about the proxy lock-on vulnerabilities that were discovered in January. Yeah. Uh, so please walk us through uh, the recent events. Okay, so um, what happened was pretty interesting with, uh, with Microsoft Exchange. I think it's, uh, it's good to just set some context. So the proxy lock-on vulnerabilities um, were vulnerabilities found in Microsoft Exchange. Uh, Exchange, as, as we all know, probably is... Uh, uh, basically, an infrastructure developed by Microsoft to exchange emails. So that's Microsoft Exchange, and specifically proxy logon. Um, it was it was pretty interesting. And in terms of uh, the chain of events, then uh, there's still some room for guessing and and a bit of juice there. But um, here's just very briefly what happened during the month of December 2020. A vulnerability researcher named Orange Tsai. Um, from the Taiwanese security consulting group DevCore, uh, discovered uh, in the course of his security research on Microsoft Exchange, two vulnerabilities. And the first one being a pre-authentication proxy bug, which is basically a, an SSRF. And uh, the other one being a post-authentication file write bug, um, in effect, an RC remote code execution. Now, what, what DevCore did was they changed these two vulnerabilities together to form a fully working exploit that enables an attacker to achieve pre-authenticated RCE on an exchange server. Now, just to put this in perspective, uh, RCE is, of course, one of the best things that an attacker could wish for because uh, he does not need, in any case, uh, local access to the box. And so coupling that along with the pre-authentication proxy vulnerability, what you get as an attacker is a scenario where you can exploit any internet-facing exchange server uh, without the need of knowing any pre-existing uh, um, credentials and, and any identities on, on the machine and so on. And so, uh, as we know, uh, in, in the recent years, a lot of organizations have transitioned to Office 365 and have decommissioned their on-prem uh, exchange deployments. However, some still do run 
uh, on-prem Microsoft Exchange deployments. And so um, with that in mind, some organizations still do have Microsoft Exchange that's internet-facing. And so uh, that's because there's a need to externalize services such as OWA, um, EWS, Exchange Web Services, and so on. And that's to enable users to connect remotely to their emails uh, from their laptops, mobile devices, and so on. And um, to continue with what happened, DevCore disclosed these vulnerabilities to Microsoft on January 5th. And uh, Microsoft then released an advisory on March 2nd. So two months after um, this was disclosed, Microsoft uh, actually um, published uh, an out-of-band patch. Just a second. Uh, can you please explain us what is out-of-band patch? Sure. So um, I think before explaining what out-of-band patches are, we should uh, maybe say a few words about uh, Patch Tuesday. Um, so Patch Tuesday is uh, the second Tuesday of every month where Microsoft releases uh, patches uh, to the world, uh, patches fixing uh, bugs, issues, etc. with its products. It's like Happy Monday for patches. It's Happy Monday for patches, but it's on Tuesday, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's, that's kind of a, a cadence that happens on the second Tuesday of every month. And then there's also um, a term that's been coined um, after we have Patch Tuesday, which is Exploit Wednesday. And uh, the reason that we have Exploit Wednesday is we usually see a rise in the exploitation of uh, systems affected with the vulnerabilities being fixed in the patches in Patch Tuesday, since analyzing the patches themselves allows adversaries to kind of reverse engineer and understand how to actually uh, go about exploiting that uh, vulnerability. And so that's uh, for exploit uh, uh, Wednesday and Patch Tuesday. And specifically an out-of-band patch or fix is that's an update that's released ad hoc and outside of normal patch times. And uh, in most cases, just like uh, what happened with uh, proxy logon, it would just be to address a severe security vulnerability um, that's discovered in Microsoft products, which is, like we said, what happened in our case. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So please tell us, we got some uh, nice background about it. Please tell us what was specifically interesting about the, this chain of events. So indeed, I think it was very interesting. And, and just to add some more, some more content here. So there is a very known security firm called uh, Volexity. And uh, Volexity had noticed this, uh, these same vulnerabilities being exploited on some of their customers, um, spotting, it, spotting it actually in the wild on as early as, uh, I think, January 3rd, uh, which is, when you think about it, it's actually two days prior to when it was officially disclosed to Microsoft by DevCore. And uh, that's, I, I think, a very interesting fact. And um, in effect, it would mean two things. Um, either the vulnerabilities was, were independently and coincidentally discovered by two different vulnerability research teams, um, one being the adversary itself, and uh, which might be happening in that case, and the other being DevCore, or that the information about the vulnerabilities was somehow um, obtained by, by the threat actor. And so... Uh, Did someone say conspiracies? I, I don't think uh, conspiracies. I think that uh, what happened here was that perhaps, again, we don't know, but perhaps the threat actor actually managed to, uh, to find the bug uh, in a time that, uh, that uh, DevCore also did. Uh, again, we don't have any information, but uh, I think it's a very interesting fact to keep in mind. So when did it become 
and exploit and when did uh, Arcus start using these vulnerabilities? So again, um, we, we saw it on, uh, on January, early January. That's uh, what Volexity reported, being seen in the wild. And of course, um, after it was officially disclosed in March, that's when we saw a very big surge of attacks, um, attacking thousands or, or even tens of thousands of, uh, of internet-facing exchange servers. And again, it, and that's kind of your, your hardcore Exploit Wednesday, right? When uh, yeah. uh, actually here it was an Exploit Wednesday because it was an out-of-band patch, which uh, I think maybe someone should now coin um, a term for uh, maybe post <laughs> out-of-band exploit day or something. An after-party. Probably. Out-of-band after-party. <laughs> <laughs> But what do we know about the Akers, the Akers group? I heard the term Afnium a lot. What do you think about it? Yeah, so Afnium is actually a threat actor group that uh, was uh, named by Microsoft and are being tracked by Microsoft. And I think what we mostly know about Afnium group is that uh, they're targeting and exploiting and, and working on actually uh, attacking organizations that have Microsoft products, mostly uh, that would be Exchange servers, IIS servers, so a lot of uh, Microsoft-based uh, uh, deployment and infrastructure. Okay, so do we know about more actors involved? I mean, is this going to be a continuous event when actors keep and keep going on exploiting it? Right, it's a good question. So, well, we can maybe say that Hafnium was the initial group to take advantage of, uh, of this whole thing. Then, of course, once, once every exploit is being published, then any opportunistic um, threat actor group, cybercrime, uh, or even lone hackers... Which would actually jump on the opportunity because there's an exploit um, that's very easy to um, to use practically and to exploit internet facing servers. So uh, it's not just Hafnium. Now that that it's out there, um, we're seeing a lot of attacks from from different sources, and um, that's not something that's going to go away unless you actually go about patching your exchange servers. And working on all the mitigation that we're recommending, um, we could talk about that about that later. But basically, um, blocking any internet-facing uh, uh, um, exchange servers, as in not allowing inbound traffic to them. Uh, if you have to do that, maybe use a WAF, um, logging, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, let's let's get to it later. But uh, now, I mean. I see every day alarming cyber events, uh, the news of flood, Twitter is flood, we blog posts covering APTs, covering actors, campaigns, and more. Why did this specific event capture our attention so much? So it, uh, it got uh, a big media coverage here, and um, I think it rightfully did, because specifically here, this event is tied to, um, I think, the ability to go about materializing a vulnerability. So, for example, if this was a privilege escalation on a Microsoft Exchange server, for example, then that would mean the attackers would need access to the box already and would need to have a foothold in the network. And when you take a very popular uh, infrastructure or deployment, which is Microsoft Exchange, and couple it with that server being internet-facing and then the power of the exploiter, the chain of exploits, you arrive at a 
relatively low barrier of, barrier of entry for, for hackers. And so the impact here is very, very big. Let's move on. Uh, are you ready for a little game? Yeah, I love games. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay, so this is the part of the podcast that we start role-playing. Let's pretend that I am a security analyst in a company with exchange servers. What should I do? What, how should I mitigate from these uh, proxy logon vulnerabilities? Okay, so unless you haven't been around in the, in the past week or two, then uh, and and you have an exchange server. Maybe you're the only security guy in your company, and um, no one in your company has uh, any uh, awareness towards security. And uh, you're the only one, and you came back from vacation, even though it's COVID. <laughs> but uh, you came back to the office, and uh, you saw that there's this this big thing. The first thing you need to do is actually to follow uh, just the, the, the vendor um, recommendations from uh, Microsoft um, in that case, which is taking the out-of-band uh, patch, deploying it, and take the, uh, the scripts that Microsoft has released that allow you to actually run on exchange servers and to check for um, particular or specific exploitations. Maybe it's the presence of new files in some directories in your Microsoft Exchange server. That would mean uh, maybe an existence of a web shell and so on and so on. So in that case, first thing you need to do is patch. Second thing, run the scripts from Microsoft. And uh, Velexity has also released some uh, information that can assist the defenders in, um, in finding attacks. But after you do that, um, then either you don't find anything and you're good, and then you just need to do some mitigations to ensure that it doesn't take place in the future, which is actually to block your exchange servers from incoming connection from the internet. But if you do find something, then that's when you need to go in into incident response mode, follow your organizational uh, incident response playbook, and just go about uh, making things right again. What about TTPs, uh, specific IOCs? Do you want to talk about this? Sure. So uh, one thing that we saw that's pretty prevalent here is the attackers using the chain of exploits to uh, plant a web shell. And basically, uh, a web shell is uh, a piece of, of code written in, uh, in, uh, in uh, web, uh, web languages that could be uh, uh, PHP, for example, ASP as well. In this case, we saw web shells with uh, files being ASPX. Um, which are files that are running on IS servers. And um, specifically here, I think what's interesting to note is the creation of new files in the in um, Microsoft Exchange uh, folders on the IS of the, the CAS server. And uh, something that's pretty neat that people can do uh, with the WAF is, first of all, to, to maybe, uh, and specifically after you fine-tune the policy, then perhaps to detect and alert on any new files created, even files that don't really conform to the naming convention of, of regular files that you would expect. For example, a lot of web shells that we saw were just uh, a blob of strings, so just alphanumeric uh, characters, about eight characters. So that's uh, you know, an interesting uh, kind of behavior right there. And um, something else that's pretty, pretty basic, but uh, I would recommend any security team to have uh, kind of uh, your, your go-to detection for, for finding web shells, at least on IS, is to uh, configure a rule in your SIM for any child process of W3WPEXA, which is the IS worker process, um, with the child process being 
cmd.exe or powershell.exe or wmic uh, that would indicate uh, a very high likelihood of a web shell uh, we go back to the game and now i'm a security leader as we said before we might deal with this campaign or these vulnerabilities for a long time uh, how do you recommend to prevent future attacks on my own premises environment first of all i have to congratulate you for being promoted to a security leader now. Thank you so that's, much. Uh, that's amazing. Um, and I think it all starts with, uh, I think it's the fundamentals. And the thing about fundamentals is uh, they never change because they're fundamental. <laughs> so um, I think we're speaking about asset management and uh, visibility first. So you need to know what you have in your environment. Um, a lot of the organizations that uh, I worked with specifically here um in this context is they didn't even know if they have any exchange servers on-prem a lot of organizations today they use office 365 exchange online and uh, some were even surprised to find exchange servers on-prem maybe as part of uh, past deployments where the the servers weren't fully decommissioned or maybe exchange was uh, for some reason being used internally so it starts with the knowing what you have knowing your assets Know your past, you know, you mean. Know your past, know, know your future, and everything in between. So uh, for sure, that, that's it. And I think the other one is hygiene. You need to make sure that you have the proper security controls, whether it's your EDR or other sensors that you have deployed on all servers. And then just going about making sure that uh, those specific servers, um, of course, if they're crown jewels, if they're critical assets, um, to assess... The risk again. That's that's kind of basic, but uh, but that's what drives security. Um, are those servers internet facing? Um, are they fully patched? You need to have a fully working um, kind of a vulnerability management and, and patch management plan uh, in your organization. And um, of course, regardless of that, probably uh, in order to to leverage. Uh, Technologies in a better way uh, might be an interesting move to, to assess moving from on-prem Microsoft Exchange to Office 365. How can I uh, automate if now I'm planning to add more Exchange servers uh, on my assets uh, that I run on my organization? Uh, how can I make this, I don't know, this, uh, this thing that we are doing uh, automatic and not every time check for specific vulnerabilities in a new server that I deploy? So I would say don't add more servers. Um, so just don't. But if you have to, if you really have to, then something I would do is just uh, take the organization's golden image, maybe see um, if you can somehow create an exchange golden image with, uh, with a CU, with the cumulative update and the, the out-of-band uh, patch and fix already being uh, applied. Um, so, so, um, you should look into that. And if that's not possible, then of course you need to have a very rigorous process when you're deploying new exchange servers to actually have, uh, kind of, uh, the patches ready in place and to not release anything to production or connect anything to the actual, uh, live network before it's fully patched. Okay. So let's say that my assets are both on-premises and cloud assets. What tips do you have for building the right security stack? That's a good question. Um, I think, again, it, it goes back to, to visibility. Um, again, we know that uh, 
today one of the challenges for security teams is the constant need to be on top of what IT does and basically to, I wouldn't say chase IT, but, but you really need to be on top of your game to, to know what happens in your environment, what's deployed where, what's configured in what way, and what risks does, does it introduce to your, to your assets. So I would say just have a very good plan of, of knowing what you have and then um, just prioritizing based on, on the risk. So we know that everyone's had it, have heard it so much, but you say that hygiene and visibility is the most important things that a security leader should do for, for his organization. Yes, yes, definitely. Amazing. Do you have anything else that you want to tell our audience about proxy logons, about uh, visibility, about on-premises on or cloud assets? Um, there's nothing that I would like to add except for just to reinforce the, the basic idea of the need to patch things as soon as you can. And, and I think one of the challenges for, for CISOs today and just for organizations in general is to really adopt this security-oriented um, mindset. And again, it goes back to the basics. And asset management is a very, very big part. Um, the chances of, of you being kind of a patient zero in this kind of attack um, is relatively low. But once something is being published and there's a fully working exploit that's uh, uh, available to be used, then your chances of being uh, targeted are very, very high. And you, you need to, to not waste any time, go about patching things, and not for, just for Microsoft Exchange. Um, we're seeing vulnerabilities coming out each and every day, critical ones, whether it's, it's in browsers, operating systems, etc. So uh, you really need to have a very, very good patch manager program. Okay, so thank you so much, Ophir, for being here and being so delightful. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please feel free to let us know your thoughts on this episode and if you have any more ideas for other topics you would like us to cover. You can find me on Twitter under Syac Security. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get more updates. You can subscribe on Hunter's website at hunters.ai. Goodbye, everyone. This was Hands-On Security. Everything you need to know about cybersecurity, up close and practical.